The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric France and Andre Salveson. You need like some jumping jacks or something over there. Start Are you throwing me off fat? some heat. It's cold in here. You want? Do you want me to come cuddle with you? I, uh, no. You can be the big spoon. I'll be the little spoon. Whoa! Let's not do that. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It just went from weird to really weird. Ah, Selena Gomez, one set. Never mind. Um, Eric, how are you doing today? You know, yesterday Good. was my day. Yeah. Today's Eric's day. There was Send... an outpouring of love and support Dude, for I got AJ. A, I got a freaking text from somebody. It was this wild. I got a text from a number I don't know, and it said, your dad says he loves you, but he's not listening to your show. And I was like, who the <laughs> fetch is this? And they never responded. <laughs> your dad loves you, but he's not listening <laughs> to your show. <laughs> I, like, I don't know what you did yesterday, but <laughs> Eric... I... I no, I don't act innocent. Don't act innocent. I do in anything. <laughs> don't you dare act innocent in this. This is all you. So today, today's Eric's day on 1069 The Fan. So text in and tell him he's great. And don't put an exclamation point the text you sent me. You're such a jerk. I was like, wait, what is this? Eric, I had seven, I had a total of 17 messages by the time the show was done. Did your you like the Grinch where your heart like grew three sizes? <laughs> you had all the love? I just... <laughs> I, I, I tried calling number two, like the one who's texted and said, your dad loves you, but he's not listening to your show. And I was like, what? Who is this? And why would you be talking to my dad? Leave me alone. Stay out of this. Uh, it, it's definitely been an eventful day in oh. uh, in news, period, uh, with national news, certainly some big things happening today. But in the sports world, it uh, is no different. They're big news today. Um, th- this has been rumored and talked about for a little while, uh, making some changes with the Houston Rockets. Um, that report we just got at the top of the hour from Dan Beyer, the, the reason why... Kyrie Irving has been AWOL. He's upset about Steve Nash being named the head coach. I mean, so Brooklyn has been motivated. So I'm surprised to, they haven't canceled all their games. <laughs> Brooklyn's been motivated to try to find somebody to play alongside Kevin Durant. I think that um, Kyrie Irving just doing stupid Kyrie Irving things has kind of motivated them to finally pull the trigger on this deal. Because we, we know Harden is just it's just a mess in Houston, he's more interested in opening up his restaurant um, and uh, not being there. And the coach just finally said, "We we told him not to come to practice. It'd be better for us and better for him if he doesn't show up to practice." That's how caustic and how bad it is in Houston. They had to see this coming, right? With all the drama that was going on in, I mean, in Boston, in Cleveland, like he. He wanted to be the guy in Cleveland, so LeBron left, and you realize the Cavaliers were not that good without LeBron. Goes to Boston, uh, makes some dramatic, uh, just dramatic statements, one of them being, I'm going to resign next season. And it turns out to be a disaster. He wants to leave. He's a, he's a media uh, just critic, 
And so Brooklyn had to know what they were getting out of this. You shouldn't be surprised. So and do you remember the story on The Last Dance when Dennis Rodman uh, tells Phil Jackson that he's like, hey, I need a vacation. I need to be gone for a few days. Just g- give me a little bit of time to get out of here so I can reset myself or whatever. And so he calls Jordan Pippen, and Jordan's like, hey, if anybody needs a vacation, it's me. And so Phil looks at Dennis and says, all right, if I give you 24 hours, will you be back? And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll be back. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and Jordan says, Phil, if you give him this vacation, he ain't coming back in 24 hours. And I think it was like six days later or whatever, Dennis Robbins showed up in his PJs. Here's the same situation. Kyrie's like, hey, I need a vacation. I have really been through a lot. And I need to just get out. And so like, okay, well, how much time do you need? 24 hours, and I'll be back. And then he's just gone. He's just like in limbo mode. So weird. Um, here's Now, this is a little bit dated, considering the events of the last just few hours here. But uh, this is some reporting from Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, this is specifically about Kyrie Irving um, and uh, just his return to basketball. It, it can't seem to be determined. It's not up to Kyrie anymore. It's not up to the Nets. It's going to be up to the NBA. It's out of uh, Kyrie's hands. Him just saying, I'd like to come back and play again won't work because as you saw with James Harden, uh, when he was, when the league put him in quarantine after it was clear he had been at clubs, uh, places that are not allowed right now under uh, the, the uh, COVID protocols. Uh, I think if, if this video is determined to be current, uh, and, and there's no reason to believe it isn't right now. Uh, Kyrie Irving is going to have to sit. He's going to lose money uh, if that's the case. Yeah, he'll he will have to lose money. He, and he, he's, he's losing money sit. because of he's yeah. not there, and it's not a it's a it's a not a verifiable reason that he's not there, like for injury or COVID protocols. So he's losing money on his game checks, but. The, the Brooklyn needs to take a, a stronger stand. The NBA needs to take a stronger stand and say, this this is just unacceptable. Just because you don't like who was named as your head coach, you're just going to pout in the corner and just not show up anymore? That's unacceptable. Okay, so let me ask you, Eric. If, <laughs> if and when he does come back, or whichever happens, uh, do you, as a net home manager, I mean, the NBA will obviously suspend him for a few games. What do you as a Nets general manager do? Do you say, you know what, you're going to sit out for a few more games because this is detrimental to our team. You being gone, out there partying while our team's playing basketball is detrimental to our team. I mean, how do you handle that as a GM? And by the way, how do you handle this if you're Steve Nash? You're the head coach, and no one else on this team has had one complaint about Steve Nash. Everyone else is actually a fan of the guy. I mean, yeah, it seems like everybody's defending him. The, the, they, they, they've embraced him as their head coach. I know there was that podcast where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going back, well, maybe you could call some plays. I could call some plays. We don't need a head coach. Yeah. You know, it's just like, that's just so ridiculous. And I, but I think that the Brooklyn has to be, they're in a difficult position here because they're investing a lot of money oh, in Kyrie so Irving yep. to be their guy, and he's bailed on them. But at the same time, if you don't take a strong stand, what message are you sending? That look, if you're just a top talent, if you get a big fat contract, you can call your own shots. Uh, I mean, are we are we going to completely turn over this league to the players only? 
and they're calling their they're making their decisions. Uh, that makes a really bad precedent. Yeah. If if Brooklyn and the NBA don't come down hard on Kyrie Irving, if he's just out because uh, he just doesn't like who the head coach is, uh, tell me how many players around the NBA don't like who their head coach is right now. Yeah. I'm sure there's a number of them. Yeah. They're, 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 but they're not going off in the corner and pouting and taking their ball and going home, especially when not when they're like a franchise player. It just you can't do that. Didn't LeBron do that with David Blatt? Because I never, I mean, the great, you do remember David Blatt, yeah. the great Europe coach who came to America and ran things a little bit differently, would be willing to get after LeBron. And LeBron didn't like being get after. He feels like he's the golden child. And we should, even when he makes mistakes, they still look really good. Um, I think that's, that's the only time I've ever seen a player or a star player publicly go against his coach. And and then LeBron would send out cryptic tweets, stupid stuff like this, childish stuff like Kyrie. But LeBron never left the team. Right, he stayed LeBron on the court. Never said, you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to take a couple weeks off, go party, go to a couple strip clubs. Uh, you know, get me some chicken wings and be just absolutely oblivious to everything going on in my basketball team. He never left. So say what you want about LeBron, but that was, I mean, there's a difference there. Playing the game, um, yeah. trying to win games, yep. and ultimately winning championships. Not just walking that out. That was the number one goal. Okay, so uh, do you have your Twitter account open? Yeah. Do you go to Rob Perez, uh, also known as Worldwide Wob? This guy's great. And then in there's a couple of videos. Uh, if you scroll down, DeMarcus Cousins, one of them. But then just before that is James Harden. Um, and I, I should have I should have rolled on these bites, and I didn't. I It's my bad. But... James Harden's comments got him in a heat of trouble, not only after the post-game comments, but then into the morning. And then DeMarcus Cousins or Cousins had comments as well. And it kind of told you where this team felt about James Harden. And I want to, after I want to, I just want to get your thoughts on something here. I got a question for you. Okay. So James Harden first. Yeah. So this is James Harden post-game uh, talking about the Rocket situation. This is nuts. Hang on here. We're getting it. I mean, I mean this, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that uh, I don't think can be fixed. So, um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> this situation is crazy. I don't think it can be fixed. And then he walks out. He's like, all right, I'm done. So then if you scroll up, DeMarcus Cousins, this is 50 minutes later. So John Wallace just came in between the two. He was sandwiched in between. And he says, look, if you don't want to be here, obviously then don't come. We don't need you here. A lot of guys here want to compete at a high level. And uh, like I told everybody tonight, and I told the guys before, when the 1 through 15 guys all on the same page, they commit, they know their role, they know what they want to do, they know what they want to get out of this, that's the win, you all will be fine. But when you have certain guys in the mix that don't want to buy in all this one, it's going to be hard to do anything special, do anything good as a basketball team. I've been on those teams. In my 11 years been in the league, I've been on a team like that my first five years where it was all about me, 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 not about the team. And that hurts. And it brings everybody down. So when we can get all on the same page, we can be something good here. And uh, we can't dwell down on it because it's only been nine games. Like, come on, man. You want to jump off the cliff off of nine games? There's a lot of basketball still be played. Any day. Do you want to jump off the cliff after nine games? <laughs> That's John Wall. That was 25 minutes after James Harden. And then 20 minutes after that, 
DeMarcus Cousins gets in there, and he's asked the question of, do you feel like you've been betrayed by James Harden since you've been here? Yeah, hang on one second. You're good. Uh, Here it is. Here, this is DeMarcus Cousins. Me personally, I don't feel betrayed at all. Um, My interest is playing with John Wall, to be brutally honest. (laughs) And uh, with that being said, um, the disrespect started way before, you know, any interview. Um, Just the approach to the training camp, uh, showing up the way he did, uh, the antics off the court. I mean, the disrespect started way before. So uh, this isn't something that, you know, all of a sudden happened, you know, last night. But with that being said, like I said, this is the nasty part of the business. So uh, it is what it is. That's DeMarcus Cousins. And DeMarcus Cousins, you want to talk about a troublemaker. DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> he in knows. Sacramento wasn't very clean. <laughs> he knows when somebody's and, messed and up. And John Wall talking about John Wall talking about crappy teams is spot on because he played with the Wizards and that was a mess over there when he was in uh, Washington. They wasted some good years out of him. So with all that, James Olive Garden Harden. By the way, I don't know who came up with that on our text line. But God bless them, because when I saw James Harden out there in layup drills, it was James Olvegarden Harden, but he wasn't eating the salad. He was taking all the breadsticks. <laughs> taking plenty of carbs. Eating the dessert. I mean, he, that's, yeah, James Olvegarden Harden is back at it. And now that inflated guy is now headed over to Brooklyn. And if Kyrie decides to come back, and if Kyrie decides to play basketball at the Nets, You've got Kyrie and James Harden, who have two of the top five highest ball usage percentage rates in the league. In the league. And you expect them to be on the same court together? Oh, and by the way, Kevin Durant's in there too. That's not going to work. A couple texts, 9315. Eric is great. It might be your day, but the ringmaster is great too. What he's saying, Eric... (laughs) Uh, 2409 texts in, there seems to be a common thread when discussing the NBA, talking about players making tens of millions of dollars, whining because they're picked on. I don't know if you guys ever get tired of speaking about it, but we sure get tired of hearing about it. Well, I think the teams get tired of dealing with it. I mean, you might get sick of hearing it, but guess what? When James Harden gets traded and you get four first-round picks and four first-round swaps and Milwaukee's protected first as well, that is a huge Huge income that you get in return of James Harden, who didn't want to be on that team. That's incredible. And by the way, to get James Harden, they gave up like two first, two seconds, and a couple of guys. That's it. And they got (laughs) essentially eight picks, nine picks out of it. Oh, and they got Victor Oladipo on their team as well. Look, With the recent trades that have happened between... New Orleans getting a ton of picks in exchange for Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Oklahoma City getting a ton of picks for Paul George to the uh, to the Lakers or to the Clippers, and even um, to some degree, uh, the, what what they got to uh, out of Houston with their deal with uh, Russell Westbrook, and now what Houston's getting in exchange from. Uh, Brooklyn and Cleveland in this deal, it's it's insane. 
uh, we're going to see three teams just continually picking <laughs> the top picks yeah. in the draft for the next yep. couple of years. Yep. Yeah, Oklahoma City. Who'd you else say? Houston. And New Orleans. And New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans has got loaded. They're sneaky, really good in the draft spot-wise. They're, they're in really great shape, Eric. Yes. Uh, 5338, we are aware of that. We are going to talk about that a little bit later so, on. That is big news. Actually, and, and by the way, I knew, and I think I told you actually a couple days before that this was going to happen, but we couldn't say anything. We had to keep our mouths shut. Like They said, like, hey, here's the news, but don't say anything until after it's been announced. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So, yeah, we, uh, we've heard, and uh, by the way, uh, there was offers all over the table for Frank Malley. The spread was huge, and he to go to Boise State is a huge get. So, Yeah, the news about uh, Frank Malley going to Boise State uh, that's been official, uh, their new head coach t- shared it on social media. Frank Miley shared it on social media. Uh, we're going to go in a little bit more detail on that a little bit later on because uh, we want to do a little more football talk because there's several transfers Coming to yeah. Utah State from pretty good ones, notable programs. Yep. But uh, yes, if you didn't hear, if you hadn't heard yet, uh, Frank Miley does have a new home. Uh, he will be heading to Boise. Uh, it's I. Uh, I really feel bad that um, that he's not and won't be on an Aggie sideline in some form uh, anymore. It's our fault. Yeah. Maybe there's a a spot somewhere down the line in the future. I don't know, but I think some some things would need to significant things would need to change before that happens. Uh, it's. Anyway, but uh, we'll, we'll go in a little bit more detail about that. Also, a little bit later on in the show, we'll get uh, into Utah State, San Diego State. Uh, Aggies taking on the Aztecs. We'll hear from the San Diego point of view, preparing for their trip to Logan as they take on Utah State tomorrow night and Saturday late morning uh, as the tip has been changed to 1130 on Saturday. So 7 o'clock tomorrow, 1130 a.m. on Saturday. It's a two-game series against the Aztecs. Uh, we'll be hearing more from uh, their coach and some of their players uh, a little bit later on in the program. And, and speaking of which, speaking of uh, Utah State, San Diego State, AJ, we have a set of four tickets. Oh my gosh! We are right. going to be giving away next hour. So listen carefully. Next hour, yes, four tickets to the Aztecs Aggie Aggies game, which, by the way, is completely sold out. So unless you have a grandpa, grandma, cousin, aunt, uncle, or someone else who doesn't want to go to the game and you can snipe their tickets, there's no other way to get in. This is limited seating for a big, big two day uh, came two games coming up Thursday and Saturday. I can't wait for tomorrow night, man. It's gonna be a fun, fun night and a fun couple of days. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. We'll be giving those away next hour. So keep listening. If you want your uh, a chance to win those four tickets. Uh, keep listening. We'll let you know how you can uh, participate and, and potentially win those win those tickets. Um, one last thing real quick before we hit a, t- a timeout here on the Full Court Press. Uh, high school basketball last night, big win for the Bobcats on the road at Century, uh, winning by 10. Um, and uh, it was not so favorable for the Mustangs out of Region 11 against an Idaho team. Uh, the Preston Indians, um, they took care of business in Hiram last night, winning by nearly 20 points. Uh, and uh, they ran into a bit of a snag. Uh, they lost a couple of games in a row, uh, three games in a row, Preston did. But since then, they've been, they've been playing some really, really good basketball, trying to get themselves back into position to compete for uh, another state championship uh, in Idaho. So uh, now things are going to be quiet for a few days before region play begins on Thursday for the girls, Friday for the boys throughout Region 11. 
I'm going to call a timeout here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, uh, we'll get into more details about uh, the, the details of this trade that happened today. How does that affect the Rockets? Uh, and why do we care? Because this is a Western Conference team that has perennially been good and has perennially been a tough team for the Jazz to get get past. Does that put them into playoff contention with this new lineup that they have, or will it matter? Speaking of the Jazz, they looked great last night in their blowout victory over Cleveland. Uh, they were supposed to have a game tonight, but that has been postponed. So we'll update you on uh, the other things with the uh, Utah Jazz and the NBA. Coming up a little bit later on here on the Full Court Press. Doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Utah Jazz taking care of business last night against Cleveland. Look, the Cavaliers started out well at the start of the season, but they've had a few injuries, and it's kind of getting caught up to them that they are Cleveland. Uh, So the Jazz got past them. Great shooting night for Utah, hitting the three-point shot really well again. Uh, Was it 24, 23 or 24 three-point shots made last night by the Jazz? Um. 24. They were 24 of 45 from beyond the arc. Jordan Clarkson was was great. Uh, I, I thought uh, Donovan Mitchell looked good. His outside shot was falling. Boyan Bogdanovich got things going a little bit more Dude, offensively. every time Bogdanovich falls to the floor, I cover my eyes. He <laughs> fell hard yesterday, yeah, he and he like braced himself with his hands, which is what you normally do, and he like rolled over, grabbed his wrist, and grimaced a, a little bit. Ah, it just scares me. Yeah, I mean, look, the Cavaliers are the Cavaliers for five and seven uh, overall. Um, Utah outscored them in every single quarter: twenty-two, eighteen, twenty-seven, eighteen, thirty-eight, twenty-three, and thirty, twenty-eight. Uh, so, I mean, just dof- or, uh, dominance on the offensive and defensive side of the court. Um, yeah, it just great basketball all the way around. But again, the defensive side is really it, it, it spoke volumes last night. Uh, it's kind of back-to-back games where Rudy Gobert has a quiet night offensively, but still grabs a lot of rebounds and uh, does some other things on the floor. Um, any concerns with Rudy and where he may be offensively or just based on the matchups, it didn't really matter? Yeah. <laughs> that I think there's quite a – well, I won't say quite a few. I think there's a few teams where no matter what you do against Rudy Gobert, he's still going to dominate that matchup. Cavaliers are obviously one of them. Charlotte's one of those teams. In fact, I think the majority of the teams are in the Eastern Conference. Um, God, I, can't, I can't think of one Western Conference team that would that could not put up a fight uh, against Rudy Gobert. But the East lacks so much height, so much athleticism compared to Rudy Gobert. I think Dylan B could could be one of those guys. Because um, against Detroit, he only had four points, but he did have four blocks and 19 rebounds, so it's not like he wasn't doing anything. Last night uh, against Cleveland, a um, little bit different story. I mean, he uh, point-wise and, and rebounds-wise, not quite as, as much. Four points, ten boards. But look, Derek Favors came in and, and looked really, really good. He had three blocks. He had four rebounds, an assist and a steal. So... I. 
just the emphasis on the the game plan. They didn't need to go through Rudy Gobert a lot offensively. No, and again, when you're shooting as many three as many threes as you are, and you're hitting them, it helps. I mean, Jordan Clarkson had 21 and eight, Bogdanovich had 20. Uh, I mean, they and they were cruising early in this game. It seemed like as soon as Cleveland got down by double digits, uh, they stopped playing. Uh, not I mean, effort wise, just quit executing offensively, quit really quit playing defense. Uh, there were so many open looks that they had all night long. And there was, I mean, and they did it with maybe like two passes max. I mean, it would come down and it would be Donovan to, uh, you know, like on a, on a pick and a swing pass to Conley who'd find Bogdanovich in the corner. Or it'd be just Mitchell coming down the court, finding Bogdanovich, and then hitting a three. There was just a really, really uh, lackluster play from the defensive side of the ball from Cleveland and that's why the score is what it is. Uh, you, the guy that you've been loving to bag on has found his offense a little bit on this East Coast road trip. Boyan, or not Boyan, um, the George Nyang. Sorry, George Nyang no. is finding his offense. No, don't, Eric. Grabbing rebounds. Oh, my heck. Seeing the ball go through the hoop Okay, now. What, what was his line? 14 points. On what shooting? Five boards. He was two of four from three, six for eleven overall. Okay. By the way, one of his threes barely grazed the front of the rim. <laughs> yes, that was a fourteen-year-old. That was pretty. A fourteen-year-old that open would make that shot. But George Nying, who gets paid millions, and has the same effort. I guess no, same talent as Tony Bradley, is out there and he hits a three or two, and you're like, hey, there he is. Six man of the year, George Nyang. <laughs> the minivan. I, I, the minivan. I, I was pleased that they played Mie One more, and they played him with some of the key guys. He yeah. didn't just play garbage minutes with a bunch what of third What did you think of guys. him on the court? Uh, I, I like him. I, I'd like to see him play rotation minutes more like minutes, that yeah. alongside Mike Connolly or yeah. Jordan Clarkson or Donovan Mitchell. Because usually when we see him, he's with a bunch of other scrubs that just don't get a lot of playing time, and so their handle isn't very good, and they... They're you know they don't run the plays as smoothly. Can, so I liked seeing him in there with some of the other main contributors. Can Oni or uh, Oni fit with like Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley on the court? Could he fit in jail with them? I think he could. Yeah, I'd like to see him get more minutes. I he hasn't got a lot. I think he should be getting more. It's good to see him get some good role. How many minutes did he play last night? Eighteen. Wow, that's not bad. He must be impressing Quinn. In so, I mean, in some regard, he must be impressive to get 18 minutes last night. Kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Because he wasn't playing that many. Is that a, that's got to be a season high minutes, uh, or at it's, least it's probably up there. I, mean, I know they've had some blowouts, and they've been able yeah, to play able to use them. Some guys play him, and some of these other guys get some minutes. But but what I liked was how he was playing with some of the other main starters. Mm-hmm. And, and that third quarter was awesome. Like I mean, Mitchell had 17 in the third. Uh, Clarkson. Made, I think, five threes. They were, as you mentioned, 24-45 beyond the arc. It's when offensively they're shooting well from the perimeter. They are a very, very good basketball team because they spread the court and you still got Rudy Gobert inside the paint. When they are going, you know, 22% from three, that's when this team is in trouble because when they're not hitting their the outside shot, they got to go inside. It's easy to pack in. They become a predictable offense, and they get in trouble. 
that's where some of these losses or some of these bone leads came from because they either they just they don't make anything from the perimeter. Uh, I'd like to see consistency from the perimeter. Look, it's great to hit 24 threes. That's wonderful. Uh, I mean, they hit 25 against Milwaukee. But I want to see consistency in, in, in doing so. Uh, and again, maybe against better talent than Cleveland, just because Cleveland is, like I said, once they were down double digits, they, they quit guarding defensively. It was, it was a nightmare for them. So um, one last thing about the NBA, the, this big, uh, big trade that happened mm-hmm. uh, that, that's taken place now, just the, the details of the deal, uh, we're hearing a little bit on it as it was breaking um, within the last hour and a half, two hours or so. Uh, but basically, here's, here's what's going on, and we'll, we'll kind of circle back to how this could affect the Utah Jazz. But the Nets, well, James Harden is going to the Nets, uh, the Nets are sending uh, the Rockets a package that includes multiple players and draft picks. Chris Levert is a big part of that. This is a guy who's really come along. Yeah. Um, and uh, but he ended up Houston ended up flipping him. They sent him to uh, Indiana, and then they get Victor Oladipo in his place. So if I'm the Pacers, I'm ecstatic. Victor Oladipo just hasn't quite been the same since his injury, and you get Chris Levert as uh, in his place. I. I think I'd be ecstatic if I was Indiana. Uh, Jarrett Allen, Tarian Prince, uh, they're headed from the Nets to Cleveland to the Cavaliers. So multiple teams involved here. Uh, Cleveland is sending Dante Exum, it's a familiar name, uh, and uh, to uh, to Houston. Uh, Brooklyn is also sending uh, Rodion's Kuruks uh, to Houston. Uh, Houston also receives Brooklyn's three unprotected first-round draft picks in 22, 24, and 26, plus pick swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. The Rockets also get Cleveland's 2022 first-round pick via the Milwaukee Bucks and a future second-round pick from the Pacers. Uh, Brooklyn also gets a 2022 second-round pick from the Cavaliers. Uh, Did you follow all of that? Did you have your number two pencil ready? I mean, that's just a... Trying to draw that out and figure out who's going where, that's pretty complicated. But when it comes down to it, um, the the Houston Rockets get rid of uh, James Harden, and he was he was being, becoming problematic for their franchise. So I love. Do, do they become a, a playoff team that the Jazz will have to reckon with no. in the West? No. Well, maybe they're a playoff team, but they're not a competitive playoff team. Uh, and, and, and the whole Nets thing is like people are saying, oh, man, look at this Nets team on paper. They look great. They got Irving. They got Harden. They got Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Jeff Green. Well, 40, 40% of your team uh, is MIA or overweight. So And they don't like to play defense. And they don't like to play defense. Yeah, 40% of your team is missing uh, overweight or do not play defense at all whatsoever. But they 100% love having the ball in their hands. <laughs> Jeff Green and Joe Harris are not a threat to me. I laugh. I like, I'm like, oh, Jeff Green, are you kidding me? That's, that's, that's what looks so good. I mean, do you remember back when, I think it was 11 or 10? No, it was 11, when <laughs> the Nets had Garnett, Pierce, Lopez, Darren Williams, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, here it is. The threat to LeBron James and everybody else in the East, 
And then, like, it lasted. I think Jason Kidd was her coach, and it became one of the most comical scenes in NBA history. Uh, it was great for the NBA because everyone had something to laugh at. <laughs> but, dude, I mean, I, I, look, I think we're looking at something similar. Uh, Houston currently only three and six. Um, when this when this deal was going down, uh, our good friend Tony Jones said, "Oh, Houston could be a playoff team now." <laughs> and I'm looking at it like, who would they displace? Yeah, give me give I, me your playoff I, teams right now. Do you know who they are? Well, currently one through eight in the West. Okay, Lakers are number one. That's not happening then. Jazz, Clippers, and Suns are tied. So that's two, three, and four. They're tied? Yeah. Jazz are seven and four. Hello, early NBA season. Should be eight and three. Or even nine and two. Could have, should have, would have. Yeah. He didn't. Uh, then it's Portland at the number five spot. Okay. Dallas at number six. Golden State and San Antonio are tied. Similar records, but that would finish out seven and eight. So Oklahoma I, City, Sacramento, Denver on the outside looking in. Dude, what happened to Denver? Jamal Murray is not the same Jamal Murray. Yeah, something's Jokic is playing great, but he's not getting help. And I think a big thing too, I think they really miss uh Jeremy Grant. They let him go and and uh um gosh, what's the other center's name? Kind of athletic, but can't doesn't have a shot. Oh gosh, I can't think of his name. Plumley, Mason. Yeah, he's gone too. <laughs> so I think so, they're kind of reeling a little. I bit. think the Rockets could replace the Suns. And I don't know San Antonio's kind of iffy too. I'm not entirely sold on those guys right now. I think the Suns are going to fall out of it. I don't know. I. I like the Suns, the way they're constructed, and I like their head coach. They're a dangerous team. But Houston's not a playoff team. No. Well, no. I would not know. And that's what I'm saying is even if they get to the playoffs, it's like that one eight seed that scrapes in some way somehow and then gets demolished by the one seed as a gentleman, hey, welcome to the playoffs. We're just going to eliminate you, get you over with, so we can move on. It's a speed bump. They've got some players. They'll make it tough. For some teams, they won't that they make face, it tough. But I don't think they'll have. Who's going to make it tough on? Them? And by the way, there's also talks about trading PJ Tucker now. So now you don't have a three point threat. Not that he really was. Well, Gordon at, is consist- still there, isn't he? Uh, Eric Gordon. Yeah, but dude, Gordon's losing it. <laughs> Gordon's starting to turn into Olive Harden. I love that Olive Harden. I can't. I don't know who that text was, but man, I thank you so much for that text. Okay, so let me ask you then. Uh, Rockets, are they in the playoffs? It's just crystal ball, cold prediction. Are they in the playoffs at the end of the uh, regular season or no? Are uh, the Rockets a playoff team at the end of the season? Mm-hmm. No. I bet you the Rockets are in on the Jazz and Mavericks swap places too. Mavericks are number six currently. Jazz are number two. Yep. Oh, yeah. They're definitely swapping places. <laughs> That's not lasting. Uh, uh, one last thing about the NBA. Uh, we know that there are these new protocols that are in place. 
Well, apparently they've been doing some additional testing here recently. That's why some of these games are being postponed all of a sudden. Uh, multiple reports of players getting the virus the second time. So we'll update uh, uh, the news on that. Coming up a little bit later on, don't forget, we'll be giving away a set of four tickets to see Utah State San Diego State tomorrow night. Big news about Frank Miley and uh, some pretty interesting transfers coming to Utah State. We'll update you on the transfer portal uh, on who's coming and who's going uh, for to play for the Aggies or somewhere else. And we'll also hear the San Diego State perspective about the uh, Aztecs and the Aggies tomorrow night. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Andre Salveson. Uh, so we know that these, we talked a little bit about this just the other day. The NBA has instituted some more strict COVID-19 protocols. Yeah. Basically, you're in a bubble wherever you are. You're confined to your home or to the hotel room. Uh, unless there's a team activity, your team meetings can be no longer than 10 minutes. Uh, you can't high-five your teammates or... Give guys hugs after By games. By the way, that was still happening on the court. Yeah, it was still. Like Jack guy falls like down, and you reach out your hand like, to pull him up. And... Guys, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, most of that, I think, is for show. Yeah, ask George Hill. <laughs> but there is still some legit concern. The NBA is having to postpone several games here in the last week. Uh, there may be more to come. Um, but uh, according to some reports uh, on uh, ESPN, Multiple players who previously tested positive for the virus have recently tested positive again. Uh, now, the NBA has said that more than 100 positive tests have been confirmed since last summer, but the actual number since March is believed to be a lot higher than that. Um, several teams are reporting that they've had 10 players or more uh, who have tested positive at some point over the past nine months. But here's part of the problem, too, is that the early stages of, the, of this, there were a lot of false negatives and a lot of false positives, too. So uh, who really had it? They thought, oh, I, I tested positive, but I'm asymptomatic. Did they really have the virus? The CDC is still trying to figure out you know, how, how long you're immune after you get it f- for the first time. But there are a number of cases where people can get it multiple times. So that's why the NBA is saying, hey, just you can't go out there acting cavalier if you've been positive before thinking, I'm immune, I can't get it, because you can get it a second time. So even though you've had it, you still have to follow the rules, wearing the masks, distancing on the sidelines, who you let come into your, your hotel room or your home uh, during the course of the regular season. And the hotel makes total sense. Like If you're on the road, you can't be... <laughs> You can't be having people just come up to your hotel room out of nowhere who have not been a part of the team bubble, who are not with the team at all, hanging out with you. Because you're not going to wear a mask inside your hotel room. No one's going to be that responsible. That's just not going to happen inside of an NBA team. I mean, part of it, a lot of the reactions have been, oh, you know, all the Instagram models. This is to stop the uh, the late night that's stuff funny, though. that's going on. That's freaking funny. <laughs> there may be part of it. But, you know, the... the Consider, look, this is a team of, of players who 
maybe they're on their trip, they go to a place where it's close to their home and they get family member or friends to come visit them and hang out with them. Well, because they don't get to come out that far very often. Or a former coach, or this is where they used to play ball in this area that was close by. So it's it does make it hard for those situations because those have to stop or you have to do it in a very different way. So um, it it's a, it's, a, it's a struggle, it's a challenge, but uh, they have to treat it like, look, this is a business, this is a profession, and we have to be professionals about how we handle this if we want to do our job and get paid our millions of dollars to do this job. How close do you think we are to maybe postponing the season? Like delaying it for a little bit so we can try to get things right? I mean, the Suns-Hawks game has been postponed tonight, which now puts the Hawks-Jazz game, we don't know what that, what, what's going to happen that night. Uh, on Friday. Friday, we don't know if that game's going to happen. How close are we to a situation where we may have to postpone, Eric? I don't think we're that close. Okay. Not yet. I think that's why the NBA only released its schedule in, in halves. First half, yeah. So they could provide a buffer zone to, to make up games. Because, um, what, there's four or five games that have been postponed. Stuff, uh, let's see, five and six nights now. So a lot of it's happening right now, but... Consider all the games in aggregate that have been played. There's been a lot of basketball games that have happened, and to only have four or five get postponed, it's not a big number. It is concerning that it's happening all close together, but look, Major League Baseball had this. They got over it. They made their adjustments, and they got through it. The NFL had these issues through the season. They got over it. They made adjustments in their schedule. They got through it. The NBA can do the same thing. Hmm. Yeah, it's but there's gonna be a lot of adjusting as we go through. Look, we we still got uh, what two months till the All Star break, so there's still a lot month a uh, month and a half month and a half. But how far does that first half of the schedule go till? Just through that very first weekend of March. So we still got a little bit of ways to. I mean, things could break down. You could see a lot more postponed, and I hope we don't. I want to see as much basketball get played as possible so we can have room for buffer and whatnot to make up the other games and then, of course, uh, be able to go and uh, and, and finish off the second half of the season. Because, again, if you mentioned before, Eric, the Olympics are in July for Team USA for basketball? August. August. But you still got to have camp. You still got to pick your team. Have time to gel. I think Olive Garden Harden makes that team. <laughs> um, probably not. You don't think he does? Uh, I don't know. Uh, a lot depends on how things get play out over the next couple of months. I guarantee here. you Popovich has an eye on that, though. If any guy is like, watching that kind of stuff closely, Coach Popovich is. Kyrie Irving go? No. Nuh-uh. I think Westbrook. I think Kemba Walker. Why like, would you send Westbrook? Why wouldn't you? Because of the list of guards that are... I. <laughs> Yeah, I'd send Westbrook. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'd send Westbrook. Absolutely. Over Kyrie? Absolutely. I'd send Curry, Westbrook, Walker. Donovan Mitchell's not a point guard, huh? Yes. So then I'd send He's Mitchell. becoming more of a point guard. i put those four guys as your guards and send them. You wouldn't put Dame? Dame well, actually, Dame's going to make it no matter what because he's already on the last team, huh? So then I'd take out... Uh, I'm either taking out Kemba Walker or Donovan Mitchell. And it's probably going to be Mitchell at the end. Probably. That's too bad. He wouldn't make that team. It's just too loaded. It's too many, just too many great players on that team to make it. You know, wait your turn, I guess. 
All right, another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press. Hey, really quick, before we go, I'll start one more thing. Yeah. Congratulations to Tony Jones for winning the National Media Sports Writer Award for the state of Utah. Yeah, really cool That's, honor. That, and he's well-deserved. He tweets some pretty dumb things sometimes. Um, he's a big LeBron guy, and that's not something I'm with. But other than that, he's a great writer. No, he's awesome of The Athletic. We've had him on our show, and he's one of the best. And I want to congratulate Tony Jones on winning that award. That's pretty darn cool for him. Sham Sharania, two more NBA games postponed. Oh. <laughs> just just tweeted. Wizards, Pistons, Warriors, Suns on Friday. So as of right now, the Utah Jazz and Atlanta Hawks game is still on for Friday. Who did the Jazz got at Hawks? Hawks, Atlanta. I don't think that game's going to happen. They have a lot of injuries, Atlanta does. Yeah, they have guys five, out with six corona. guys out right now, yeah. Including Trey Young. But as of right now, the game is still on. <clears throat> what a mess, man. Speaking of messes, it's a What Went Wrong Wednesday. Oh, yeah, that's we'll right. We'll get into that. Yes. Uh, the news of uh, Frank Miley heading to Boise State. Uh, transfers coming to Utah State from Power 5 programs or notable programs. And uh, news about another player that is on his way out from Utah State. So we'll update you on the current transfer situation for the Aggie football team. And uh, next hour, we'll get into more Utah State, San Diego State, and we'll hear from the Aztec point of view. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. You know how hard those tickets are going to come by, like, and we are giving, we're not one, not two, not three, but four Utah State, San Diego State tickets for tomorrow's game. We would like to spread the wealth if we could, like give away two sets of two, but they're all four together and just with current things going on, we thought, yeah, we better just give them away together. As, just as be a smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll give away those in the second hour. So pay attention to how and when and what to do to to be uh, a contestant. Those tickets, I yeah, those are hard to come by. Uh, yeah, Utah State, San Diego State. We'll hear from their perspective coming up next hour as well. Yeah, Dutcher and uh, Mitchell were at the uh, podium for the Aztecs. They'll uh, talk about <laughs> the funny thing about like Dutcher is. He's so matter-of-fact in his answers. It's kind of funny. Oh, and by the way, you're going to find out how they handle the altitude when coming here. How the players, I should say, handle the altitude. Not coach, but the players handle it. I didn't know about this, actually. When I went to Al, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. They've been doing it forever. And I was like, oh, jeez. I'm telling you, Al knows everything. (laughs) He's got his prep down. He's ready. Uh, Yes. There's a reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Hey, what went wrong Wednesday? Uh, <laughs> Ooh. Where do you want to start, Eric? <laughs> what went wrong with the Houston Rockets and James Harden? How did that fall apart? See, that's the question. And is DeMarcus Cousins right? Do people go to Houston because not to play with James Harden, but maybe to play with Russell Westbrook or to play for Coach D'Antoni or to go... Maybe it's John Wall. Like DeMarcus Cousins said, it wasn't because of Harden that came here. It was because of John Wall. Oh, I doubt that. That's what he said, though. I know. But that's a convenient thing to say right now. 
Why didn't he ever try to get to to Washington before? Dude, he was playing for the Golden State Warriors. I wouldn't have moved either. I would have stayed <laughs> well, right there and been happy with life. Um, and and he tore his quad. Like, I mean, it's just it's hard to handle. And I think he tore what did he tear his ACL or did he was it Achilles the year before? I can't remember. So he had like back to back years of injuries. Yeah, and he was on Golden State's team. I I wouldn't have budged. He had it rough. It's true. So. But I, I think it's more than just James Harden. I, I think there were systemic problems there in Houston. They, they, they didn't, they wouldn't uh, renew the contract or extend the contract to the head coach. And then the general manager decides he's going to leave. They trade away Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. They, uh, there, there are a lot of problems there in Houston. And yeah. Everybody's looking at James Harden, but it's runs. Yeah, a lot deeper yeah. than James Harden. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Kind of funny how the Texans and Rockets management isn't that great, huh? Um, hey, by the way, if you want to text into our show with your what went wrong Wednesday four three five three three nine zero three two one, love to hear from anybody and everybody. Hey, my what went wrong? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. They started out what was it nine and zero, lost three in a row. You thought, okay, well they'll get their um, bearings together. They'll get back at it and come playoff time. Boom, jam. Thank you, ma'am. We're going to be back in the AFC Championship. Instead, they give up 48 points to the Cleveland Browns. That's the most points that the Cleveland Browns have ever scored in franchise history in a playoff game. 48. They, they, they scored 28 in one quarter. What went wrong in Pittsburgh, Derek? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's got a lot of them scratching their heads, too. Ben Roethlisberger seemed to unravel a little bit. I, do you think he's done? Um, that, that what was it, four turnovers in the first yep. quarter and a first half? Quarter first quarter and a half. half. Yep. It was terrible. Um, and a lot of those were on him. Yeah. I mean, there was one where I mean, he get, got hit as he threw, and balls up in the air, and kind of got batted around, and they, they came up with it. There's some that you just can't really put on him, but... Is it yeah? Is it time for Pittsburgh to go in a different direction yeah. with their quarterback? I think it is. I think if you're Ben, you're like, you know what? Maybe that's time for me. Like Peyton Manning said it best after they won the Super Bowl against Carolina in Super Bowl Fifty. He said, <laughs> he said, you know, after my first noodle arm throw, I realized maybe it's time to quit. And he's like, I think I'm going to be done after the season. <laughs> and sure enough, like he wasn't great in the playoffs. His defense was phenomenal, but he wasn't. Won the Super Bowl anyways. I just retire when you're on top. Uh, I've got the the what went wrong for me is also football related. What went wrong in Seattle? Oh my gosh! Good you have one. home field advantage. Yep. Uh, the opposing team's quarterback is not starting. Their main guy is not going to be there. They just never could really get and into a def- rhythm. Yeah, Seahawks defense. I mean, excuse me, Rams defense was phenomenal all day long. They were just really, 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 really good. Hey, uh, another- they just couldn't make adjustments. No, and they never did. They no. never even tried. No. Hey, uh, another one, kind of a quirky one in the AFC playoff format. 11-5 Ravens versus 11-5 Titans in a wild card game or a divisional game. Come on. Really? 8-8 eight and eight Bears made it. 7-9 uh, Washington football team. Yeah, like, you, thank you. I know. What went wrong? I, the NFL playoff system, I think, needs to be totally revamped. I'm with you. All right, coming up next hour, Utah State, San Diego State. A lot of Utah State news. Frank Miley on the move. And other players on the move coming and going to Utah State, some from pretty notable programs. And, uh, hey, the NHL starts tonight, too. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. With no football on last night, I felt like a bear coming out of hibernation. 
After three days of nothing but NFL playoffs in the national title game, I imagine we're all pretty bleary-eyed. But for some, last night might have been a little wake-up call that the NBA is dealing with some serious COVID issues. They've canceled multiple games lately. But in the shadow of football, that doesn't make a dent in the news cycle. The NBA is living off the goodwill from last season in the bubble. Same with the NHL. They both managed to get through a season safely when it barely seemed possible. The current regular season doesn't have the same urgency. Both sports play way too many games, so the early part of the schedule doesn't matter. And even though we have games, football is still top of mind. The NFL playoffs are just getting going, and the draft isn't far off. Basketball and hockey will have plenty of time to take over, perhaps after the Super Bowl. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Sorry, we're just doing some quick math here. Uh, I, I picked the last one. Oh, you did? Yeah, I got. Okay, it. no, good one. But you got, but you've got your, uh, you got it ready, right? Yes. Okay, got it ready. Oh boy! Hey, we're what ready. Time, what time do we want to uh, do that at? Just randomly, or? Um, yeah, those. We'll, we'll say we'll start it at five fifteen. Ah, I like it. Um, for those just joining in, a welcome to the show. Uh, B four three five three three nine zero three two one to text in. Love to hear your opinions and thoughts on the topics we'll discuss. It'll be Aggies, 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 all second hour long. Um, as the Aggies and Aztecs get ready, and then a former Aggie coach is on the move to Idaho <laughs> with with the top team in the conference. Well, one of them, I guess I should say, until last year. Uh, but more importantly, Eric, we've got a juicy giveaway coming up. At 5.15, we're going to call out and uh, ask a question. And if you can correctly answer it by calling in, that's the important distinction here. Call in. Should we do multiple choice, though? Is that too easy? No, I'm going to do multiple choice. Okay. Uh, And it'll be be good. I like it. It'll be multiple choice. Because we don't want it to be too complicated. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, for this, you do. I mean, tell them what they're getting out of this. Four seats to see Utah State take on San Diego State in the spectrum tomorrow night. Four the, seats together. And by the way, the, 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 like, the game's sold out. So if you're going to the like, oh, let's go to the office to pick up tickets, you can't. And it's limited seating. Uh, so they aren't just, you know, it's not like 10,000 people are getting in there. It's 1,600. So if you're if you are without tickets and you want to go, the full court press starring Eric Cranston and Ajay Salveson are giving away four tickets. Starting at, we'll start the um, bidding at sixteen hundred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, we'll uh, be uh, asking a question, multiple choice, caller to call in with the correct choice. Bada beam, bada boom. You're going to the game. That is the way to get these. Uh, calling or texting us personally to ask. It's not. Sorry, can't text in. It's not going to help. Nope. Uh, but we'll give you the number then. 
so you know. All right, no, no calling in now. Okay, cheaters never prosper. So, uh, so I'm just I'm no, you're sure good. I've, I've got it. Please tell me you have the I'm right answer. I'm going to hand it to you. You can verify. I was going to say, we better just make sure we have the right answer on there. No. Ooh. Nice. Yes. So you, you take a look at that and see if, uh, if we're looking at the same stuff. But uh, big news today out of Utah State. Frank Miley on the move. He's got a new destination. Man. And you know what? It... it Eric, can it I can always kind of stinks to see a former coach go to a, a conference opponent? Can I ask? And and I, and I don't mean to be, you know, trudgeary on everything that's gone on. But Eric, is it good riddance based on everything that's occurred since the season is concluded, or is it? Hey, he did what he could for us. We're so happy that we had him, and it's it's sad to see him go to Boise State. I'm on the ladder. I don't say okay. good riddance to Frank Miley. None of this was his fault. Um, the uh, he's heading to uh, he's heading to Boise State, and Andy Avalos introduced him, um, gave him high praise for caring about the, the students and the young men. And clearly, that was evidenced by the way the Utah State football team decided to boycott their final game of the year because they felt like he uh, he wasn't given a, a fair shot, and some of the things that were said about him were inappropriate. Which, by the way, there should be some resolution on that this later this week. Yeah, Cash Valley Taylor, I think, is putting something together of just kind of giving you an update on. I think by Friday, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you have one of the best on the job uh, putting together a little bit of a um, some information that we can put on Castify Daily for everybody to catch up on. So, that, and that could be interesting too. I would imagine just how quiet things have been. I I I think that we'll just move on as has been, and bada bing bada boom, we'll be done. So, uh, Eric, but the- but does but does Frank Miley? Because we know, look, I was told. That Frank Miley, uh, that Kyle Whittingham really liked Frank Miley. Was thinking about taking him to Utah, but just didn't have a spot. Um, I know, you know, BYU was also full on their staff. Now there have been some changes uh, because guys going with uh, Jeff Grimes to Baylor or elsewhere. Um, but Boise State inside of the conference does that make you think? Well, crap. I mean, he's a good defensive coach. Is this worry a little bit? Because he knows Utah State pretty darn well. He does. This is almost like uh, Tim Durier going to Boise State from uh, basketball, taking a former head coach, somebody who was assistant for a long time at Utah State, and uh, bringing them into their program. Uh, they know they know good programs. They understand what it's like, and so they want to take them and bring them into theirs, fold them into their own. Um, and to... Uh, He's, uh, you know, as I said, praised for um, his ability to uh, care deeply for uh, for his players and his team, uh, and that's unfortunate that Utah State loses out on that. Uh, does it sting a little that he's going to a conference rival? Yeah, I would have been happier, maybe if that's the right term, if he would have landed at Utah or BYU. <laughs> yeah, in places that <laughs> outside of our conference, you don't see him all the time. It was <laughs> at least in conference games that that really legitimately matter. 
So, yeah, it's um, it's too bad for that. But uh, you know what? Congratulations to Frank Miley. I, I know it's tough. It's a tough thing to, to do. He wanted to stay at Utah State. He wanted to be a lifer, a full-time Aggie. But that's the nature of college football, and there were some things that were out of his control. And um, he's trying to make the, the best of, of what's out there. And being the defensive line coach and associate head coach at Boise State, that's a good landing spot. With the head coach who was very defensive-minded, and uh, I, I think he's going to be – he'll have a significant role on that staff. Yeah, and and by the way, because usually those associate head coaches turn into head coaches, right? And I think that was kind of the plan. In in Miley's thought that when he got here, hey, I'm gonna, I'll be here, I'll serve out my time, and then hopefully I'll get a shot to be the next head football coach. And obviously that didn't come to happen, you know. And 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 Mr. Harwell decided to go in a different direction with with Blake Anderson, who by the way is doing great things already. He's been very aggressive in the recruiting department and and is having a lot of success. We'll get into that in a little bit later, um, but. Uh, Here's what Andy Avalos said about Frank Miley. Frank Miley is a high-character individual and someone that cares deeply about everyone affiliated with our program, especially the young men we bring into it. He is someone that Bronco Nation will be drawn to because of his passion and enthusiasm, not only for our student-athletes, but also our community. On top of being an outstanding person, father, and husband, he is also a phenomenal football coach. In uh, Frank Miley, I guess he had a, a, a brief statement Said he was pumped to be part of the family uh, and Bronco Nation. Humble and grateful that Coach Avalos would allow me to, the privilege to influence these young men in this community and feel blessed for such a big-time opportunity. Close quote. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that, that's, a great hand, that's a great hire for Andy. And I can, with confidence, say that he also got Power 5 offers, Frank did. And he still went to Boise State. That's, that's that's incredible. Uh, that's a, that's pretty impressive what Andy just did there. So yeah, it's too bad, but uh, we know where he's he's got a landing spot. That's a good landing spot for him. It's a great landing spot for him. Yeah, uh, with instead of a, a conference that he's familiar with, at a place that has a lot of talent defensively. I know a lot. I think they're going to lose a few guys, but I mean they got some talent on the back end too. They're going to be good defensively. He's He's got something to play with there. They've had some studs on oh the defensive goodness. line. Oh, my goodness. Just like the last five years. Been Weaver stupid. and the Moa Constrictor. <laughs> so, oh, I forgot about that yeah, guy. They, they've had some dudes on that defensive front. Uh, Avalos was part of that previously. Um, part of the other news today is just uh, updating on what's going on, you know, coming and going uh, to Utah State. Um, it just There's transfers coming, transfers uh leaving Utah State, um, guys coming to Utah State. Um, but uh, we'll update you on that. Quickly, uh, 2787 texts in. Frank is going to get to come back and coach against Utah State and win. That is awesome. Everyone wants to be a Bronco. <laughs> you know, it, it, but can't say no to that. You okay with that, by the way? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you can't say no to that. I mean, and 2787 is right. You go to Boise State, you win games. 2787 does have a 208 area code, just so people know. But, well, guess what? 2787 is still right. <laughs> Boise State's where you go to win. Now, granted, it was kind of a weird year, and San Jose State came out on top. Um, But, yeah. And, and, and I think Frank knows that, too. I don't know if this is much. Okay, let me ask you. He got some P5 offers. Do you think it's more of a vengeful move? 
than a I just want to stay close to the valley. I mean, why Boise State? I mean, there's some Power Five schools that offered them, and said no. It's hard to know what goes into it. Certainly, I think you have to consider what is the cost to my family to relocate. Are, are they going to? Is it going to be a good landing spot for my family, not just for me personally in my yeah. professional career? Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into these types of decisions. But uh, not only is he a defensive line coach, but he's the associate head coach. He wants to be a head coach someday. Yeah, but then why go to – I mean – It's just another stop that helped him on his resume. If you can illustrate that he can be a good associate head coach and a good defensive line coach and they still have – Strong opportunities there. Then maybe he does have that shot. Somewhere. You think Andy maybe told him to say, "Hey, look, if I get three, four good years here, I'm out, and you're in." I mean, because oh, Andy I was a—I mean, he was a—he was a what, defensive coordinator in Oregon. Yeah. Now you go out there and you go dominate the Mountain West Conference. You hope to. I mean, he's gonna have to win a couple of conference championships for that to happen. Uh, but huh? well, we've certainly seen that if somebody does well at Boise State. Almost every Power Five school that has an opening is going to make a call. Yeah, Chris Peterson t- turned down multiple offers. Chris was a different cube, though. So was Stu Morrill. Um, yeah, those, he thought so, but were... he still ultimately answered the call. Yeah, he but, still ultimately but, but he, did but leave. He spent double. What, how many years did he spend at Boise State? How many years was that? Do you know? I mean, he got there in what? More oh, than a decade. Yeah, so double-digit years. He built Boise State into an elite program, turned it over to another coach when it was still full in the cupboard and still prestige, and then let Brian Harson run the show, and he went to Washington. He didn't owe Boise State anything. He was allowed to leave after a decade of dominance in, the, in, in his uh, conference and in that G5 world. He earned that right after a decade. It, he wanted something new. It was a new challenge. Going to Boise State and winning New Year's Six Bowl games were great. But he wanted a new challenge after uh, just a little over a decade, and I don't blame him. I stand corrected. Uh, he became the head coach after the 2005 season. So, so 06. 06. And then he left for Washington in uh, 13. At so the seven end of the years. 13 season. Seven years. Still a solid seven years where it was consistent winning. Yeah, and, you, and, and Eric, you want something new. Like something, sometimes things just get so dull and so routine that you're like, I need something new. I need something more to challenge me. And he, and he, and he was right in going to Washington. Absolutely right. And didn't he take them to a college football playoff? Yeah, he did. I mean, it's not bad. All right, we're going to call timeout here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, we will give away... A set of four tickets. Oh, man. To see Utah State take on San Diego State tomorrow in the Spectrum. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock. If you can't make it, the game is on CBS Sports Network. But when we come back from this timeout, you'll have to call in to get these tickets. We will ask the question as we come back. Or should we ask the question as we go to break? Let's ask it when we come back. Let's keep we'll ask it when we go to break. Yeah. And we'll wait. take the calls while we're on the air. Well, okay, wait. So you're asking the question now? No. When we come back, oh, we'll ask okay. a question, okay. and we'll take the calls on the air. Yeah. And if you uh, if you get it right, first person to get it right, we'll give you the tickets. Kobe Bryant. Did that make it? No, you totally missed. 
The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. The phone line is dialed up. It's ready to go. Ready to go. Here is the phone number. Again, this is for four tickets. <laughs> four tickets <laughs> to the San Diego State-Utah State game tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at the Spectrum. And by the way, you must come into the offices tomorrow to pick them up. And don't don't play if you can't go. Yeah, if you can't We've go. We've had that before. People play these games and then they never pick up their tickets because they never really intend yeah, to Yeah, don't them. be dumb. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm going to give you the phone number. Don't call right away because you have to know what you're... Yeah, they're calling in right now. It's A. Wait, what? What you have to answer. Uh, The phone line is 435-752-1069. 435-752-1069. And uh, you have to be willing to call in and try to answer this on the air. Okay? Those are the caveats. So here's the question. And it's a multiple choice. This is USU's best conference start since which season? A, 2003-2004. B, 2010-2011. C, 2008-2009. Or D, 2012-2013. Oh, 435-752-1069. Oh boy, the lines are ringing. What is the correct answer? Again, this is for four tickets to the San Diego State Utah State game tomorrow night, Thursday, seven p.m. And, and if if you're gonna play, you're gonna go. All right, uh, we got a caller already. Uh, Helps if my microphone's on as well. Yes, uh, Jim. So, no, this is this is Kim. Kim, sorry, Kim. Kim, yeah, uh, what, so the answer or the question is: This is USU's best conference start since what season? 2003, 2004, 2010, 2011, 2008, 2009, or 2012, 2013? 10 and 11. <laughs> that is correct. You're the winner. Yeah. Very good. That was super easy, too, wasn't it? <laughs> All of those years, Utah State got off to great starts. Oh, yeah. 2012-2013 was a great opening, but at this point in conference play, they were 5-1. and one. But uh, this is they haven't had this strong of a start since 2010-2011. Yes. Very good, Kim. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. We'll have those uh, four t- uh, tickets waiting for you at our front offices. Exciting. Thank you very much. All right, All right. thanks, Kim. Congrats, Kim. Well, that was easy. Right out of the gates. <laughs> Anyone else can call in? Uh, uh, oh, uh, we, we appreciate everybody who has uh, called in. We do have a correct answer from Kim. It is the 2010-11 season, though in 08 and 09, and though in 03 and 04, they did also go 6-0. and So, but since, but no team has gone 6-0 in conference play since 2010-11, until the Aggies are now done it. So, Eric, if they go A and O, assuming they were able to split these games, 
that would be the best start since 08-09. Well, if they went 8-0, they'd, they'd win both of these games this week. Yeah, well, that's right. That's what I'm saying. If they avoid, yeah, sorry. If, if they avoid the split and they win them both. And they win them both. Best start since 08-09. Certainly this is the best Mountain West Conference start for Utah State. Yeah. This is, uh, it's it's been impressive. And, you know, I, I was I was talking to uh, to somebody today. Um, I was talking to one of the players today, and they said, you know what, we understand that people um, look at our record and say, oh, well, they haven't played anybody. But he says, you go out there and try to, you know, play these teams and win by the way we're winning and dominate the game the way we're dominating. He says, people just want to see the opponent. They don't look at what we're doing. They look at what their opponent is. He says, why? We're playing great basketball. Give us some credit. He's, and he's spot on, too. He is, right? Yeah, have to give them credit for how they're playing. Yep. And they're 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 not just starting strong and then fading and, like, taking it easy. Like, yeah, we got these guys. It's another bad opponent. Yeah. No, they that was one of our, our keys and kind of criticisms earlier on. Mm-hmm. We'd like Utah State to get off to a good start and then play and continually play well and finish strong. Because that was uh, – they had some issues with that before they got into conference play. Since they've gotten into conference play – They've started strong. They have finished strong. They've stayed and maintained a very high level of competition. Uh, it's going to be a little different story tomorrow when they take on San Diego State, but they have to come up with that same mentality, and if they do, they're going to give themselves a really good chance to win, and I think they can win based on how they're playing, their momentum, their confidence, improving their skill. Uh, this is a... San Diego team that has struggled. They've had to struggle to get to where they are. They've granted they've played well. They've played a tough for competition, but uh, they have they've had to struggle a little bit more to, to close out some of their games. So let's find out a little bit more about their perspective of tomorrow night. Uh, Ajay, their their head coach, uh, sat down with the media. Yep, and. Uh, one of the big matchups I think people are going to be really paying attention to is what happens on the low block. Oh, it's the biggest matchup in this series, without a doubt. Menza versus Keta. Let me ask you something before we go to this. What what would have been a tougher matchup? Because Menza was out last year in that tournament versus the Aggies. What would have been a better, tougher matchup for Keta? Wetzel, who played against Keta, or Menza? Who would have gave him more problems? I still feel like Wetzel was a bigger bully. Uh, yeah, he's probably a little bit more physical. Oh yeah, than absolutely. Mensa is. Oh man, he pushed Keta around at times. Yeah, but then I mean, it just seems that like come tournament time, Keta just turned into a monster. That Wetzel just got eaten alive all night in that championship game. But uh, coach, again in this one, uh, that that is the conversation of this game is Mensa versus Keta, and this is Coach Stutcher and his thoughts on both. That's been a great matchup, uh, Nathan, against him over the last two years. Uh, they both have battled hard. Uh, baskets are not easy to come by. Uh, obviously, Nathan uh, uh, didn't get a chance last year uh, to go against him. I just remember the freshman year where they battled so hard. But uh, it'll be good to see uh, uh, Nathan and he going head-to-head again. Obviously, it's not an individual matchup that will decide the game. It'll be team defense, team offense. But that will be uh, two really good post players going at each other. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I expect some physicality. Look, the better the opponent, the better the center, the more Keta plays up in his game. I mean, he realizes the national attention on this game. And when it comes to these guys, I think Nico Carvacho is a good example of this. Ooh, yes. When Nico came here, Keta just, I mean, eyes wide open, salivating at the moment, salivating at the opportunity, and would he ate Nico alive in in uh, in the games here at the Spectrum, and I think here's another opportunity for Keta to show off. He is a new and improved, and at, as Coach Smith told us yesterday, playing the best he's played in his whole entire career. Has Utah State faced? Well, I guess the answer is yes, but maybe I'll pose it this way: Which opposing center has uh, been the most challenging for Keta so far this year? Would it be the BYU wow, game? Wow, good question. Yeah, that that BYU game, Keta looked like crap. Keta played. Uh, they just made him look like he. They made him look like a rag doll. He, I mean, they made it seem like he was soft. They knew every move he was going at. They knew where he was looking to pass the ball. They dominated the 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 post on him on the offensive side and on the defensive side. Keta was just all out of sorts. I'd say the BYU game is really the one that I wouldn't say exposed Keta. That's not the way to put it, but just gave him all sorts of trouble. Kind of had their way with them a little bit. All, more all night long, Eric. Yeah. All night long. And that was a big reason why the Aggies struggled so much in that game. And I think Keta, well, he hasn't been, he hasn't had a, a another uh, opponent that's really pushed him quite like that. But I also think that he's upped his game more, too. And that may have been a bit of an awakening for him about how to approach the game because he's been really. Uh, he seems to be playing at another level since that game. Yeah. Now, you brought up altitude. Oh San gosh. Diego State, how they prepare themselves to play in altitude. Now, granted, Logan's not the, the highest elevation in the Mountain West, but it is definitely higher than where San Diego State calls home. Yeah, and so the Aztecs have a way of handling this. And this, I guess, according to Al, by the way, and you'll probably hear this from Al tomorrow, they have a way that they've actually gone about since Brian's been there that they handle the altitude situation. And the players um, it, love it. Sorry. I didn't mean sorry. sorry. My bad. I'll shut up. Uh so this is <laughs> Sorry, this is from Matt. Yeah, this is from Matt. And then so Mensa. him and Dutcher both come in on the altitude situation. Oh, this is Matt Mitchell, right? Yeah. Matt Mitchell, yep. Okay, so we'll get the player perspective. Sorry. Um, it, it's really tough. Um, and for the freshman coming in, uh, for Lamont, um, um coming in and serving uh, big minutes, um, I'll, I'll talk to him and tell him that the altitude is more of a mentality thing. Uh, when you come in, you you'll feel it, uh, feel it in your chest a little bit, feel it in your head, um, and from there on, it's just mentality. Um, so it's just fight fatigue. Um, I, I think that second game, um, will definitely be a little bit tougher. Uh, just just not being in altitude, not living in altitude. Um, and so we'll just have to take the, the right precautions. And, and, and Sergio is uh, already taking the first step in, in making beet juice for us, um, which is good in, in, in altitude. And so um, our trainers, uh, our coaching staff, uh, we'll, we'll take the right measures um, and helping our guys to, to be healthy um, and, and not get tired so quick. Um, but it's, it's all fight fatigue, um, as Dutch says, uh, mental toughness, extra effort. Um, that, that's all it is, is mentality. So we just got to come in uh, locked in, um, knowing that it's going to be tough, uh, but we're going to have to fight through. How does the beet juice taste? 
Uh, man, it's uh, it's, it's right here. It's really, really. Yeah, I don't know if you can see it. It's really dark red. Um, and so, uh, it, I wouldn't say it's the best taste in the world. Um, but it, it definitely, uh, it definitely does a trick. Homemade by Dwight Schrute, by the way. <laughs> beet juice. It's beet juice. Beet and juice helps in elevation. Should I be drinking beet juice just for my regular? Hey, by the way, up here, Matt Mitchell said game two's tougher than game one. Why? And with the altitude. I mean, for altitude purposes. Yeah, yeah, he said game two is tougher than game one. Uh, yeah, I put it the other way around. Me I too, would, absolutely. By game two, you're settled in, right? Because you've been here for a couple of days. Yeah, acclimated a little. Should more. be all right. Hmm. Okay. Well, here's Coach Dutcher talking about the famed beet juice and preparing his team for altitude. Not me, not yet. No, I, I'll take a, a, a Advil and, and deal with an altitude headache, which I get from time to time. But uh, no, no beet juice for the coaches. When Matt was kind of showing us that, when you start passing that stuff around, what's the general reaction from the guys? It's kind of like, uh, really? They're craving it. I mean, they feel it helps. So we did it last year at altitude. Uh, Maybe more important this time because we're going to be extended time at altitude for the next two games or four games because from here we come home, then we go to Air Force. So our four altitude games are over the next two weeks. I'll be interested to see how that goes. That's a good point. Beet juice. Okay. Hey, 9310 texted in. Uh, he said it's all about the foul trouble for that matchup. I feel like Keta's defense Ooh. is getting better. Good and point. because he's bigger and because he's stronger, I feel like he could get Mensah in that foul trouble. But Mensah's pretty good with his post-move work on the offensive side. And if Keta bites on fakes, gets a little bit too greedy, tries to get aggressive with the block, Mensa could put him in foul trouble in the first six, seven minutes of this game. Yeah, I think it could go both ways. I think that the Keta does lack physicality at times and going strong to the hoop. And uh, he could put his opponents into foul trouble earlier. He, he, he finesses it a little bit more than perhaps I would like, uh, especially when he's got somebody pinned on the low block. Just go at him. But... Um, but you're right. That's a great point. Foul trouble could be a real big issue. But you know, Trevin Dorius has been making some good strides as well. He's there is definitely a gap. There is a a gulf that separates Keta and Dorius. But uh, the way things have happened over these last couple of weeks, I like how he is closing that gap a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think defensively, again, he's he's getting better and better and better every game. Um, when well, we'll get to another bite, but. I have some questions about just the guard play uh, of the Aggies two facing this Aztec team, but we'll get there in a little bit. So certainly San Diego State has noticed that Utah State, they are blowing out their opponents, and San Diego State has not had that luxury yeah. in their start in conference play. Um, so Coach Dutcher is definitely taking notice of that and watching Utah State win by wide margins early on in conference play. Yeah, yeah, they had some uh, close contests early in the year. Uh, but they've buttoned up their defense. I think they gave up 81 and 85 in two of their first three games. And now you look and teams are struggling to get to 60. So they've improved drastically defensively. Obviously, Kata is now the all-time leading shot blocker in Utah State history. So he presents an issue around the paint and around the basket scoring over. And the rest of these guys are very good defenders. Craig Smith's a good head coach. And his teams play hard and they play well together. So this is going to be the ultimate challenge for us on the road. Yeah, um, look, we, I mean, when we look at records, they just, I mean, it's a record that says what it does, but, I mean, it all comes down to execution. 
all comes down to floor play. Like no one's gonna be like, wait a minute, they're five, they're six and zero. Oh. Um, that that means they get a ten point lead. That no, that's it's all about execution and coming down. And again, both coaches know each other so dang well. They know each other's back to like the back of their hands. Uh, they've been studying each other and uh, for the last, I mean, how many couple of years now? Um, it's gonna be a coaching chess match as well. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we we think that Utah State generally has advantages over their opponents is they certainly have size, and that helps them in one key area. And that's out rebounding their opponents. Oh, that's going to be monstrous. a really big key. That's going to probably be the reason as well. one way or another team probably gets a win here is the rebounding battle. Yeah, limiting uh, limiting a second chance opportunities for your opponents, giving yourself more chances, giving yourself more possessions. Uh, so certainly they recognize that as well. Matt Mitchell weighing in on the importance of rebounding in this series against the Aggies. Uh, that, that starts in practice, um, and we we talked about that um, for all of our pre- previous games, uh, 50-50 balls, uh, especially the last game in Nevada, um, seemingly came up with, with most of the balls that, that, that were lingering or, or maybe a ball that bounced one way. Uh, they, they got a hand on it um, or, or something along the lines of that. So it, it's a... Uh, it's maybe more mentality in that in that way um, and putting effort into it um, and just going for the ball. Uh, I think that's all it is to it. Uh, you just got to come in with a with a hard 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 hat mindset um, and just be ready to go. So uh, Justin Bean, these guys um, are, are very well well rounded, um, hard hard working players. Um, and so I, I've played against Bean these last two years um, and getting a feel for him and know he's a hard-nosed player, um, wants to rebound the ball, get on the floor, um, and and get those that confidence boost for his team. Um, and just um, getting to that ball first uh, would be big time for us, especially on the road. Loose balls. 50-50 loose balls Aggies got to get to. Be the tougher team. Be physical. Push them around. They're going to come into your place, and they're going to physically push you around. They did that last year. They came in there, and they beat up Sam. They beat up Bean. They abused Keta, and they pushed this team around. Then they did the exact same thing at Vijas Arena. Just go in there and play bully basketball. What they've done in New Mexico, what they did to San Jose State, Air Force, is bully them. They push them off the monkey bars, and then they laugh at them. <laughs> Do that. Uh, 2776 text in. Hey, another thing in regards of Keta and Mensa. Uh, is that those two jawed at each other every second they were on the floor. And that's 100% true. This was two years ago. So it'll be important to let any head games be won by the Aggies. And there's going to be a lot of talking on that court tomorrow. I'm so, And I, by the way, I'm excited to hear that. I'm excited to hear a little bit of jaw. Because you didn't see New Mexico jawing with the Aggies. San Jose State jawing with the Aggies. It just And, and of course, the Aggies want to make sure they play the game right. But San Diego State's going to come here with a little bit of a little bit of vengeance, a little bit of uh, you know vinegar inside of them, saying, "Hey, look, you got us in uh, in the championship game two years in a row. We are back, and we want to prove that we're back. We're gonna come shove it down your throat here, here in the, in the spectrum at your guys' house. Trust me, they're gonna have a mentality that is no nowhere even close to what New Mexico or San Jose State had against these guys. They San Diego State feels they are better and thinks that they know that they are better than Utah State." That alone, there is gonna, there's gonna be a lot of talking and a lot of jawing. Just you know, do what you got to do. Don't get a technical. Be smart, but and don't let those games get the best of you. Games got to be won on the court by a uh, 
by limiting team scoring points and by scoring more points than the other team at the end of the game. That's how the game's won. Not by jawing, but there's going to be a lot of that going on all night long. <laughs> there will be a lot of that. If you can get into your opponent's head, get them it frustrated helps. and thinking especially about Especially Mitchell. Especially it's Mitchell. okay. He gets okay. eaten alive by that stuff. Uh, we heard about uh, the, the, uh, Matt Mitchell talking about rebounding. Here's Coach Dutcher talking about USU's ability to rebound the ball with all their size. Yeah, and that's something we've been talking about, Mark, with the rebounding. We're concerned about that. I think the last game, they had more rebounds than New Mexico had points. So we know rebounding is a key to the game, and AG's a very good rebounder. And so whether we start him, uh, which I'm thinking about doing, uh, or playing him extended minutes off the bench, we have to do a good job on the glass. We're talking about the AJ Cat, who he didn't, he hasn't actually started last two or three games, and now and now Coach Dutcher is talking about starting him tomorrow night. Little bit of a gamesmanship on that end. Say, hey, look, maybe we have somebody who can. Give uh, Keta or at least some of the guard line a, a little bit of a problem in size, um, and I think one thing that's not being being talked about enough is just the guard play. It's going to be big on both ends. Raleigh's going to have to be really good. Steven Ashworth is going to have to be great coming off the bench. Our bench play is going to have to be enormous tomorrow night and Saturday to give us a chance in this one. Uh, you, you mentioned this is a doubleheader. They do play on. Uh they play tomorrow night. They play Thursday night, and then they play Saturday morning. It's a late morning game, but it's a chance to be on national network yeah. television. I was talking to Coach Eric Peterson about this a couple days ago, and he said these kids are fired up, not just because it's San Diego State, but they realized something that they didn't realize. They, they didn't know that this game was like on the mothership of CBS on Saturday morning, that they thought it was just another CBS Sports Network game, and then they found out like Clark Kellogg's coming to the game. And, you know, some of the guys are like, oh, my gosh, I play me 2 can't listen to him. And it kind of, like, just amped him up even more. And he said, these kids are excited to play San Diego State. Absolutely. Send a message to the rest of the Mount West Conference that the 6-0 record's not a fluke. But also that they get to play on national television in front of the country at a Big Ten or SEC time slot in their own house. And then, of course, San Diego State, they're pretty excited about it as well. Uh, I think I think we're aware of the fact that it's it's a bigger audience, um, and, and that people are watching it all over the world. Um, but at the same time, uh, when you go in that gym, it's not uh, it's not as many people as as you would think it is. Um, it's COVID. Um, they're they're allowing less fans in, so you you have to approach it as as it is another game. Um, you just got to come into it saying that this is the game in front of you. Um, we're going to focus on this, not focusing on. Uh, oh, we're playing on national television and having a good game. Um, we just got to come in and play as a team, um, whether the big big time cameras are on or not. Uh, we just got to come in and play our same game. Well, he's got the right attitude, and he's absolutely correct. I know that's hard uh, to kind of put that out of your mind because you know there's a larger than normal audience paying attention to your game. But more importantly, is how does your game prep change with an early tip like that? How do you mentally prepare yourself to be yeah. in the moment when you need to be against a quality opponent? So, Dutcher talks about that, about playing a morning game versus the uh, – and, and just how the prep changes for the whole entire day. Walk through, uh, shoot around, anything like that. It's kind of interesting how he has it all planned. Well, we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, uh, I'd rather have an early start than wait till play at 9 at night. I think the following week, our game, second game at Air Force is a 9 o'clock night game on a Sunday. 
So these start times are not easy to deal with, you know. So we'll have to get up earlier at Utah State, uh, have to have pregame earlier, and probably not go to a game day shoot around. Probably just get there a little earlier and shoot before the game starts. So uh, all these are challenges. Obviously, as a coach, you you like routine. You like the same start time. You like the same uh, pattern to what you're doing because it uh, it gives you a better chance. But uh, TV dictates these times, and and we have to. Uh, have ourselves ready no matter what time we play. That's true. I mean, it's a great it's a great moment for the Mountain West, and let's oh, hope for huge. a great game. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you also need a great game. Like CBS wants to be rewarded for this uh, from the Aggies and Aztecs, and I, I think they, they be will proved be right that yeah. they made the right call. And, and and I think they did. I mean, these two teams have faced each other in back to back conference championship games. You still got uh, you know one of uh, one of the better big men in the country, uh, and then one of the better duos of big men in the country in Bean and Keta. On the other side, it's Mitchell, it's Mensa, and, and a team that is salivating, salivating Eric at a revenge get at a revenge series weekend in two monstrous games. All right, we've got to call another timeout here on the Full Court Press. More to discuss, more to hear from the coaches and players in anticipation of this matchup tomorrow night. And uh, we'll get back to, we'll kind of circle back to Utah State football about the players coming and going. The Aggies, yes, they have lost a few players who have put themselves in the transfer portal and left. Some of those have decided to come back. Uh, but Utah State's also winning in the transfer game with some Power 5 players deciding to come to play for the Aggies. We'll update you on that status coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Well, obviously, Kata gets the majority of the touches. And uh, he scores the ball inside. But the thing he does better than most people around the country in that position is get assists. He's their leading assist man. So when your leading assist man your center, that creates a, uh, creates a problem for the opposition. So he can score and he can pass out of the low post. So he'll, he'll present a great challenge. Uh, the thing they do better than most teams in the country is rebound the ball. They're probably in the top 10 in the country rebounding, both offensively and defensively. So we're going to have to box out, and uh, we're going to have to do a good job of trying to keep them off the glass. That just blows my mind every time I hear it, that Demiash Keta is the leading assist man for the Utah State Aggies. How do you guard that? Do you send a double steal, or do you say, hey, look, I trust Mensah. We're going to play one-on-one. Let them duke it out underneath on the block. Everybody else, stay in your assigned position because do not leave your guy. What? How do you handle it? I think you try to deny the entry pass. I think you try to deny Keta getting the ball. Yeah. Because if he gets it in the low post, he's either going to kick out to find the open guy or he's got uh, he's got a shot or a finesse to get around you to get get points. So I think that they will they'll first try to deny the entry pass to him. But I don't know that they're going to to send another player down to double on him. I don't know that they will I think they have enough faith in Mensa because to they did have last him hold year. his own. They didn't the two years ago either. They would just, they're one of the very few teams, besides Colorado State, but that's because they had a Carvacho, that they would just single you out. Like they would take Mensa and Keta, Wetzel and Keta, and just say, it's your assignment with him for 40 minutes. Everyone else stay in your position. Like don't let them open. Because if you do start to double and Brock Miller, Wooster, Ashworth, someone gets hot, you're in a lot of trouble. One more from Dutcher on Keta and the challenges that he will pose for his Aztecs. Keta was very talented as a freshman. He was so athletic and versatile. 
And then he hurt his knee over the summer. And I thought for a big part of last season, he was rehabbing that knee. He was cautious with it. He wasn't at full strength. But he played through it for the benefit of their team. And this year, he's back to his athletic self. He's moving at a higher pace. His stamina, his conditioning looks better. So we're seeing uh, one of the top centers, not only in our league, but in the country, uh, Thursday and Saturday of this week. Yeah. Uh, he... Uh... <laughs> Toucher does his homework, but it's easy to do your homework when you've seen the guy for two straight years. Yeah, and he's giving you fits. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But vice versa, too. I mean, this is it's going to be a big matchup. But underneath, another thing I want to see improved, Eric. Well, no, no, not improved. But what I've liked seeing throughout the conference play so far is the guards' confidence to drive and dish. I mean, how many times do we see the New Mexico series? Where you'd have Wooster or Bean, I mean, or Ashworth um, or Anthony drive to the hoop hard, and then you see a big man coming at you, and then you just leave off a nice bounce pass and rhythm for a Bean or Ketted dunk. We saw that so much in the New Mexico series. They picked New Mexico apart doing that. Getting by their guy on the perimeter, getting to the hole, and throwing a nice bounce pass and rhythm for a catch and dunk. I would love to see more of that in this series to uh, put some pressure, some strain on the. Uh, on the collapsing defense of San Diego State. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you that that uh, Bean and and Keta, they're going to have their hands full. But I think that's a big strength that the Aggies have uh, it, to counter what San Diego State's strength is. But uh, this game may be won and lost really based on how well the guard play is. Yeah, yeah. I and, and frankly, I feel I feel okay. Do you feel okay with? With the the starters and the the uh, the backup rotation that that comes in, I think that Utah State will be able to hold its own because of how well they're playing defensively and getting after their opponents on the guard line. Utah State last year, they were they had some really good things going for them, but they weren't always the best defending the the three point shot. No heavens, and, no uh, and the no. perimeter. So I, I like Utah State how they're approaching their perimeter defense this year compared to where they were a year ago. 9315 texting. Can, can't wait to see how San Diego State handles USU being more rounded when they are used to one clutch player. As San Diego State played a great pass team this year, not like Colorado State was okay at it. Um, I wouldn't say what to the level Utah State is, though. And, and, and by the way, Utah State now has got to find someone. If they're in a, a drought or a rut, they got to find someone who's going to be able to come through and score for them. So, yeah, they might be well, more well-rounded, but they still don't have that one guy, that go-to guy that they, can, that they know they can get a bucket from. All right, another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press, and we'll circle back to Utah State football. Yeah, 9474's got a nice text, too. Yes, yeah, so we want to get into the, the transfers that are coming and the transfers that have left. Utah State football updates you on uh, some of the names coming from pretty notable programs that will be wearing Aggie uniforms. It's coming up next on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Or text in. I resisted the temptation to point out my prediction of Frank going to BSU all show. Well, we resisted the temptation to announce it yesterday as well. But he does say, I do have a question for you two about that. Will either of you secretly be pulling for Frank in Boise State because of how unfairly he was treated throughout his exit from USU? Um, I'll be pulling for Frank. I, I, I hope all goes well for him. 
I don't know if I'll be pulling for Boise State as a whole, though, if I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, and I'm in the same boat. I, I will be hoping that he has a, a successful time at, at Boise. I will not be cheering for Boise State. Um, I'm disappointed, yes, with how how things went at USU and the certain individuals that were involved that I'm definitely not happy with. But it doesn't mean I'm rooting against Utah State either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I again, I, I want the best for Frank. I hope he's very successful. I, I love Frank. He's been he's so good to me and so good to us too. Um, that I would like to see him be very successful, at Boise State, but not be Boise State's football team be successful if that's yes. possible. Two seven seven six texts in. Sending a serious text made me feel weird. I'm never doing it again. Oh, you liked it. You You'll could, do it again. It's okay. You could do it. <clears throat> It's all right. I just miss you giving Eric grief. I need I need someone to give Eric some grief. I've gotten I always get it. What have I done? <laughs> Bullies. Hey, a uh, couple of things here in regards of uh of football. Eric Nolly's uh Freak Molly headed to Boise State as the associate coach and and uh defensive line coach, but Molly, the transfer portal has been just spinning in circles for the Aggies here in football. Yeah, so we know that there have been a few players that have announced that they were leaving. Some of them have announced that they're coming back, and that's cool. We've talked about those. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a couple of Arkansas State players who are going to be following Coach Anderson to, to Logan, including Logan Bonner, who's a quarterback. Uh, one of his top receivers, Brandon Bowling. He's coming to Utah State as well. Um, and then uh, apparently a, a defensive player, Justin Rice, a linebacker, is uh, going to be coming to Utah State from Arkansas State. By the way, he's the uh, former, I think he was an all-team Mountain West linebacker at Fresno State and then left Fresno to go to Arkansas State and is now coming to Utah State. That is a major, major get for that Aggie defense. That is huge. Nice. Uh, but uh, speaking of linebackers, Aggie's getting a couple of uh, P5 linebackers. Mm. Uh, Byron Vaughns from Texas, 6 uh um, six three linebacker, two hundred sixteen pounds, good size. Uh, coming to Utah State, Patrick Joyner coming from Miami, from the U. How about that? Six two two oh nine <clears throat> coming to Utah State. Uh, and then there's news to that. Um, uh, where did that one go? I didn't have it. Uh, but uh, Mason Knight coming oh, from yeah. Liberty to Utah State. And uh, this is a guy that was part of a – he's been a part of some good programs. He's from the state of Utah, and uh, Liberty had a really good year this year. Yes, they did. He kind of fills a position that's left vacant when after Carter Shaw announced that he is going to be leaving on that offensive line. So we, we, we get some big-time defensive players. Where does that put some of the current guys? I know Metzenheimer, is he still here, right? I mean, does he get – I mean, knocked down to the pecking order? Well, it just he's a senior. He could decide if he wants to come back. I, and maybe he, yeah, that's true. That's true. That defense, this defense for the Aggies could be one of the best defenses since 2011. One other one from a Power 5 conference coming to USU, Kyle Mayberry. Um, he's coming from uh, Kansas. What position is he? Uh, defensive back. Okay. Is he the one that goes by cash? Yeah. I, no, money. No. One of these guys goes by money. I think it's, I mean, I think it's him. So we have Cash Gilliam who's coming back, but... We also had another money Mayberry. That's right. So we have the cash and the money. I do remember that. That'll be great seeing them on the field together. Uh, yeah. Again, I, this defense could be one of the best defenses since eleven or two thousand ten eleven 
or 11-12. That's how good they could be. And I'm excited about that. Uh, by the way, for those asking about the uh, coaching announcements, uh, I think we're I think we got five coaches left. Um, they uh, we're still waiting for background checks to come through. So if you're, I know you're seeing stuff on the Twitter and not stuff from Utah State. Background checks. That's what we're waiting for. So uh, the strength and conditioning coach still has not been official. Yep. There's been a few other positions that have offensive been coordinator. Offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, cornerbacks coach is still also out there. I think there's one more guy too. So four or five coaches we're still waiting for. It's mostly filled out, but there are a few. Yep. Still just uh, yeah, <clears throat> minor details. Just trying to finish up. Uh, by the way, uh, two seven seven six isn't sitting with Ajay two hours a night punishment enough for Eric? Oh come on! Do you realize I got seventeen text messages yesterday of sympathy? Because of this guy, do you realize when I go to church, it's hey, not Brother Salveson, hey, Deflator, what's going on? <laughs> it's Ringmaster. How's your day, Deflator? What? Why are you Ring upset Master? with what happened yesterday? I said something that <laughs> created an outpouring of love and support. Adam, I don't know if you could do that mockingly, but you did. <laughs> uh, you should nine, be happy. You should be grateful. Look, uh, <laughs> I am really grateful for my co-host because look at all the dozens of texts no, and messages I got. Busy. People telling me nine three one five. Didn't we just get a new coach on staff too? Yes, but it hasn't been announced officially yet. Nine four seven four. You two are awesome. I know I am. Not only do you take the little shots that we Idaho boys give you, we love it, uh, but you answer the questions we have with sincerity and thought. That and knowledge. Uh, dinner on me if you ever want. Oh heck yeah, <laughs> Mickey D's <laughs> the dollar menu. <laughs> I got coupons. So that's how I normally roll. Hey, thank you, 9474, and thank you to our wonderful listeners, Eric. They're awesome. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Tomorrow we'll have more from Utah Ah. State preparing for (laughs) Aztecs. Stick around, everybody.